So I think that it was just a little too coincidental that as soon as I was in control of making my appointments, all of a sudden I had like 20 new referrals a month instead of like zero. Hi, I'm Maddie Conrad. I'm Tabitha Coffey. Hi, I'm Mustafa Avsi. I'm Andrew Desher. Hi, my name is Kelly O'Leary, and you are listening to The Hair Game Podcast. Hey, listener, Eric Taylor here. Announcement. We have an update on our listenership for the Hair Game podcast in the state of Vermont. Vermont uh, used to be, I want to say we went like a year and a half without one download in Vermont. However, Vermont has come from behind, worked hard, and has moved out of last place for the downloads in the United States. Now, South Dakota, you have the fewest downloads for the Hair Game podcast. If you can believe it, Iceland, Sri Lanka, and even Rwanda have more listeners to our podcast than South Dakota. However, I'm not going to lose faith in you, South Dakota. I know that you can do better. Word of mouth is super important for podcasts. So any of you out there with peeps in South Dakota, help them out and let them know about the Hair Game podcast. You know, it kind of gets me thinking, maybe we should do Instagram ads for the Hair Game podcast in South Dakota and see how that goes. Pod loot giveaway time. We're giving away an LED ring light with tripod. This is the 18-incher, the big one. I'm sure people in South Dakota would love to have an LED ring light like this. And the winner is Genvo. 62 j-e-n-v-o 62 dm me at the hair game podcast on instagram and let me know that you're listening and that you heard your name at the end of the show i'll tell you what we're going to be giving away next week and how you can win that now to my panel from isse maximizing your success is an indie hairdresser for this one my panelists were edith navarro artist neil m hair dossie b studio and Philip Wolf. All right, so let's get going. I'm Eric Taylor. I'm the founder and CEO of Salon Republic. Been, uh, thank you. 20 years in this industry so far, which is wild because it doesn't feel that way. Things have changed. Um, I, I, I see Marty here. I've known Marty since, what, 2003 or 2004. It's just so much has changed, right? So I'm also the host of the Hair Game podcast, and we've been uh, doing the podcast now for about two and a half years, about 120 episodes or so. And of course, our goal every Monday is to inspire and inform and educate and um, hopefully make you guys better behind the chair. And that was the whole goal behind this talk today. So thanks for coming. The t- Thank you. The title is Maximizing Your Success as an Indie Hairdresser. Um, you know, the, the topic is near and dear to my heart, not just because of Salon Republic, but I was born in a household with two independent business people. My mom is an artist and, and has been an artist since before I was born, an oil painter, and she's made a great career as an oil painter. Um, and, and she's independent. I don't, I don't know any employed oil painters, but she, she had a studio, still has a studio right down the street from our house, and nobody tells her what time to go to the studio, what to wear when she goes to the studio, what kind of uh, paintings to paint, how long to paint, what brand of paint to use. Nobody tells her those things. And 
it, it was pretty clear to me that that was the best way for her to work. Now, I think it's very analogous to hairdressing. And in the 20 years and the over 2,000 plus hairdressers that I've gotten to know, it seems to, to us, and, 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 and this is one of our missions at Salon Republic, we believe that you know, hairdressers are happiest and most successful when they can choose to, to work the way they want to work. So, um, however, that doesn't mean you can do whatever the hell you want, right? Every now and then, a hairdresser comes in and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm the boss, I can do whatever I want. Well, not really, right? Because even though we're independent, we have a lot of bosses, our clients, right? Just like my mom, she essentially, even though she was independent, she was working for the people who bought her art. She had to paint things that people were willing to buy. So as a hairdresser, there are things that you need to think about um, in order to be successful. As an independent, you can achieve that great level of success, but only if you keep your eye on the ball. So um, that's why I brought these people up here. They've all been very successful as independents, and hopefully we can get a lot of information so that you can use that freedom that you have to make really, really good decisions and, and be better behind the chair. So let's start with introductions. Edith, you first. Awesome. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Edith Navarro. I am a Redken artist, and I've been a, a Redken artist for 15 years. I've been a hairstylist for 17 years. I became an indie stylist eight months out of graduating from beauty school. So I've been independent for 16 years now. I was in a commission uh, salon for eight months, and then I realized I don't like having a boss. I really just, I didn't like it. It was awkward for me. So I like that I'd be able to put up my own schedule, eat when I wanted to eat, book everything out. So eight months went by, built my clientele, moved out, and then went into booth rental. From booth rental, I did that in one salon for eight years, and it went really, really well. But I was noticing that my pricing wasn't giving me the amount of money that I wanted. So I went into a salon that we call it a summit salon. And I can give you information on this after the class if you want to come up to me. It's just the kind of salon it is. It's very strategic the way it's based because you are pricing based on how much color you use. You're charging per ounce, you're charging per service, so you break everything down. I was there for six months because I wanted to know their system so that I, that I could implement it in my business. I never left booth rental. I just went to do what I had to do. So fast forward to now, I'm in a suite salon and I've been there for four years now. And I've been independent, like I said, ever since, but I more on the business side of it because I wanted to grow and I wanted to be able to have a successful career behind the chair but still have fun and time with my family. So I teach a class for Redken that is a sweet emotion class that we've done at Salon Republic that does touch on a lot of this. So I'll be talking about that as we go through the program. Thank you. Neil. Thank you. Neil. Hey guys, I'm Neil Malik and I am Neil M. Hare on Instagram. And I'm from Orlando, Florida. I just recently moved to LA about two months ago. And let's see, I started off, you know, um, I, got a, I went to hair school at 25 years old and I graduated at 26. So a little bit later, um, I, had, I had started hair school because I was literally trying to impress my mom. I had just got out of trouble and I was doing nothing with my life. So I was driving by a hair school one day and I thought, hmm, let me try that. So I went in there and I was terrible at first, 
Uh, I eventually started to pick it up. And you know, quickly, you know, I went to a chain, and then I was recruited by a few salons in my city. So once I started getting into the booth rental, I started realizing that I'm my own boss now, and that's not usually a good thing for me. So I had to learn a little bit of you know, tools to use um, so that way I didn't crash and burn. So that's what I hope we can talk about today, and thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Dossie B. I'm a screamer. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Dossie B um, of Dossie B Studio on Instagram. And I've been doing hair now for over 20 years. So, you know, I basically started doing hair when I was five years old. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm kind of new to the independent salon format. I started off in, I've been in every different salon that you can imagine. And it was about five years ago that I just decided that I wanted to have more control over my schedule and my, my hours and to, you know, make the time more about my clients and less about like all the distractions that are going on inside of uh, normal like salons. Um, I specialize in hair extensions and that's pretty much what I've like marketed myself as at this point. I stopped doing men's hair probably a few years ago just so that I could focus on having an all female clientele. I love empowering the ladies and <laughs> yep, that's my best friend. She's also a screamer. That's why I brought her. <laughs> um, yeah, so looking forward to sharing some info with you guys. Thank you. Philip. Hi, everybody. Uh, great to see all these faces here. This is amazing. Uh, my name is Philip Wolf, uh, Philip Wolf Hair on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I've been doing hair since the 90s, a little over 20 years myself, professionally, that is. Uh, I think the word independent stylist, there's possibly levels to that, right? So I guess, how independent, you know? Uh, but I, I think right now, yes, I'm, I'm definitely in that category. And uh, I'm excited to uh, share with you all and also answer any questions, too. Yeah. So, so this is, the, yeah, sorry. There's no protocol for clapping. So if somebody wants to clap, just clap. <laughs> So here's the format that we're going to do. Um, we're going to talk about three main topics, if we get through all three main topics. After, each, uh, after I bring up a topic, um, each of the panelists are going to weigh in. And then I'm going to open it up for questions, OK? And then we're going to go to the sec second topic, then open it up for questions, all right? So the way that we see it, there's essentially three things that a hairdresser needs to be uh, to, to have their shit together with to be successful. One is finding new clients consistently, right? Number two is delivering a great experience in the salon. And number three is getting your clients to come back. Retention, okay? Those are our three main points. We're gonna start with number one, finding new clients. So Edith, let's start with you. How do you do it? Okay, cool, so new clients can come different ways. We can ask for referrals, which is essentially what we do the most. Um, and we're more comfortable with that, I feel, because it's been going on a little bit longer. I wanted to kind of step out of the box and do something different. So I pretty much set up a Google page, a Google business page, and a Yelp business page. And what I did with that is that you claim the business on both Google or Yelp. And I know Yelp, for a lot of us, is kind of like, 
uh, do I really want to go on there? What if I get a bad review? Like, who feels that way? Yeah. Right? Like, I'm sure a lot of us feel that way. So what you want to know about Yelp, and I've been playing with this for a while, is that you want to ask your current clients that are on Yelp to go on there and review you. Those are like your main people to go on there. You've been doing their hair for a while. They know your work, and they can happily review you, no problems. I haven't had any issues with that, but what I like about claiming the business on Yelp and on Google is that the minute that somebody searches my name or my salon name, it comes up immediately. They don't have to scroll to find me. It comes up, and they're able to see the reviews. So for example, on Google, I claimed the business there, and my husband brought up to my attention last month that I had over 10,000 views in December. And I'm not paying for that advertising, which I thought was amazing. If you see like the map on Google, you see the like my salon suite, but then you see my salon, like my influence hair loft. And you don't see any of the other suites around me, so I'm the only one in my area that is on Google. It, le it lets you know how many people are searching for you, how many click the button to call, how many click for directions. So that's a, that was a really great way for me to get new clients without me even having to go out there and look for them. Same thing with Yelp. Uh, if you get a bad review, not saying that you ever have, but if you get a bad one, do you suggest that you respond? Yes. So you always definitely want to respond. This is the thing. If you get a bad review, and I did on Google from somebody that I don't know is a male haircut, and I'm like, I don't cut men's hair, but okay. So I responded, hi, I don't cut men's hair, so I'm not sure that I'm the right person you might, can you please take this off? And I don't think that guy ever went on there, but I had three that were five stars, it completely knocked it off. And then you can report it on Google. So it's super easy, and on Yelp, you always wanna thank the people that are saying, you know, giving you good reviews that are saying you're great. If you don't respond, what happens is that that message kinda gets filtered out, so that five star review goes away. If you say thank you, for you know, reviewing me and write whatever you want and then click on the think button, then at that point, that review stays. If you get a bad review on Yelp, you can actually call Yelp and say, hey, like, this, is not, this is not me or this didn't happen if it didn't happen to you, and they can remove it. Um, I also know that if you go on there and you say, like, what's the problem? Because sometimes they do confuse you with other people and they know it's not you, they'll take it off automatically. That's great. Yeah, really useful. Yeah. Neil. All right, so I took a little bit more of the stalker approach. <laughs> so what I would do is um, to get new clients in my chair, uh, I, I had a goal from the beginning, like I said, and the goal was to do fun hair, like you know, get myself to LA eventually and do some photo shoots and do different things with my career. Um, I'm not, ne not necessarily doing hair behind the chair all the time, but I, I had an ultimate goal of somehow getting out here and doing some entertainment work doing something fun. So how did I get these clients in my chair? How did I get the rainbow client in my chair five, six years ago? Well, if I saw them at Walmart, I would just like follow behind them closely with a cart. And then, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not stalking you, but I kind of am. Like, you know, and then I would talk to them and I would just, you know, put myself out there. And it worked 99% of the time. I would, you know, do their hair for free. I did a lot of free hair. Um, and like I said, you have to have a goal, but you also have to like forgive yourself too, you know what I mean? Like, so you have to take chances. And if you don't take chances, then you, you're not gonna get any real gain. So if you, don't, if you do take a chance and you fall, then you just get, forgive yourself and you keep working on it. Okay, so that's gonna get you great pictures for your gram, right? 
but talk about your hashtag strategy. So for the hashtag strategy, what I did was, so somebody had told me early on that like, if you wanted to take over the world, you have to take over your country. And if you want to take over your country, you have to take over your state. So if you want to take over your state, then you must take over your city, right? So what I did was, as I started small, and I looked at my city, and I created hashtags like just Orlando hair, Orlando hairstylist, Orlando hair colorist, Orlando colorist. I would just like you know knock the daylights out of it. And eventually, uh, that brought me so much business that I was able to grow outside of that. And I was able to you know, expand to a Florida and then you know, go west coast. So before I moved here, I would say six months before moving here, I started hashtagging LA hair, LA colorist. And you know, within two weeks of being here, I've already had like eight clients find me. So Some people worry about hashtag spamming. Should, should they be worried about that? No. <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dossie. Hi, hi. Um, so there's some things that I would like to like echo. Of course, I think that Yelp and Google are incredibly uh, amazing resources, and I think it's super important to encourage your clients to leave reviews on both of them. I know, especially Google, if you leave your clients leave reviews on there, that you do show up a little bit faster in um, search engines for if someone's looking for a salon. It's just going to naturally pick out the people that are more reviewed. Um, and then I've totally had, I feel like the most people that, that find me now, it's from like Yelp and Instagram. And for me, I noticed a big change in my Instagram um, just like payoff once I started having my page only specialize in one thing. So I was kind of like all over the place when I first started because I do everything. And so I'm like, hey, man, I'll wash your windows. Check it out. <laughs> you know, and um, it just kind of I think that we just have to keep it simple. You know, kiss. Keep it simple, sis. I, OK. I thought it was keep it simple, stupid. But OK, um, sis is better. Um, I upgraded it to 2020. <laughs> thank Got you. Um, but. No, I think that like if you just make it easily digestible, someone can look at your page and they can see like, okay, this is someone like for me it's like extensions. All I post is hair extensions. But in the you know description of it, I will also say that I did the color and the haircut in that. But I stopped posting only haircuts or only hair color. I was I'm only posting what I want to generate more business of and also I think that it makes it easier for people to look at my page and just be like, oh, okay, she does hair extensions. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's one of my suggestions. I think that keeping your page looking very uh, cohesive and like create a brand, stay on brand, like all that stuff. It's like all about just making it easy for the mm -hmm. consumer. And then um, I have like a couple other little things that I like as well. Yeah. Like I think if you're, it depends on like what level you're at. If you're like I think Instagram stuff is kind of for everyone, but I think that if you're at a like really starting to build stage, what I used to do that I had like the best results with is I would go around to local businesses that had the type of clientele that I want. So maybe it's a really nice restaurant that's like on the same block as where I am or a really nice clothing boutique store and I do free hair. I would go in there and whoever's the host and whoever's the person working retail there, I would do their hair so they are so visible to all these other people who 
want to, um, that I want as clients. And then so when those clients go in there and they go, oh, your hair's gorgeous, they're the ones that actually have the money, not the little, like, you know, <laughs> the retail peeps. Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, and so then in order for them to keep their, like, free hair discount they have going on, they got to send people. And so mm -hmm. I had a lot of luck with that. And also with like cross promoting, you know, finding businesses in your area that do something totally different from you, but still kind of in a similar family and being like, hey, I'll hand out some of your information if you hand out some of my information. Um, so those are more like tactical sort of things. But then I feel like from a different level, I think that it's really important to keep uh, posit positive, motivated people around you. So I think if you want to be successful, you have to either surround yourself with successful people or people that want to be successful because you're just going to constantly feed off each other's energy and like get more ideas and brainstorm and all that. So I think mm -hmm. that keeping the right people around you is important too. Absolutely. Philip. All right. So <clears throat> for me, let's see. I, I'm, I, I can't really tell you know, what's good, what's not good. I can just tell you what I've done and what has worked for me. Uh, there's been different uh, stages in my career, right? So I, I know back in the, you know, it's a different era now, but in the beginning, what I would do is I actually, it was a point in my career where <clears throat> I moved from one coast to another. So for me, that's 3,000 miles. I don't know about you, but not as many clients are gonna follow 3,000 miles, unless they're <laughs> bi-coastal by nature, right? So uh, with the exception of those few. So I had to start over, you know, and uh, for me, it was very similar to, you know, where I would just go to those local businesses and for the, for the women or men, for that matter, who were seen a lot, such as maybe a concierge or, uh, you know, at a makeup counter or at the local lounge, the bottle service girls, the hostesses, you know, what have you, I would just do for free, you know, and I would say, look, Every other person you bring me in, I'll just keep doing it free, you know? And that, that kind of worked for me, uh, you know? Spending time, it was almost like working at night, just connecting, you know? And getting yourself out there, and, and then, you know, you do it long enough, and there's, oh yeah, the, that, that hair guy, that guy right there, you know, you should see him, or whatever. You know, word starts to spread a little bit, so do that somewhere near where you would work, you know? Obviously, don't go too far out. People would be like, oh, I'm not going that far, you know? Um, I think also now in my career, I'm, I'm still behind the chair. I, I, I don't do it as much as I used to. So now it's a little bit more, uh, I have my clients and I don't really bring too many new in, uh, although I do make some exceptions. So I think also I, this happened not even trying, but I, I video I know works really well. And uh, I know that if you target the type of style that you would like in your chair. So for example, if you love doing bright colors, you know, do bright colors. If you like doing funky mullets, do that. You're gonna, people find it somehow, you know what I mean? Um, and if you're more commercial and you wanna go with just, you know, soft glam, put those in. You know, I, uh, there's a lot of friends I have, they're models and stuff like that. Of course, we'll, we'll, I'll do it free. Um, or uh, or they'll, I can use them for a shoot, you know, you barter that way and it, helps bring in clients just like that. So for me, that's what's worked. Uh, yeah, cool. So that's it. All right, I'm gonna take this microphone and walk around with any questions. Who has questions? Don't be shy. Don't be, oh. 
Miss Danny. Oh, don't be shy. We only bite a little bit. Hi, guys. <laughs> Thanks so much for all the amazing info. I was just wondering, um, as indie hairdressers being very successful, do you totally do it on your own, or do you have people that kind of help out with things? I know if you guys have your suites, is it totally just you on your own, or how does that work? Why don't you go, Eve? So, yeah, ideally for me is having an assistant, but I have overall somebody that helps me with all the pages. This year I literally had somebody start new, and how can I say this? Like, I am to counting every single color that is in my suite like a super strategic because I want to know how much color I'm spending, how much am I using, how much am I really using or throwing away. But overall, with all of my business aspects of it, my numbers, knowing how many clients I see, how many are coming in for color haircuts, how many referrals do I get, how many new ones do I get from Yelp, Google. So it plays a little uh, different there, but I am doing that just because it makes it easier for me to know what I need to work on to continue to grow. And just adding on to that too, like maybe how do you go about finding those people like assistants or people that help you with those types of things? So for me, I need to find somebody that I can relate to. Ideally, I have a lot of people offer me their help from beauty schools, like brand new, out of school, can I assist you? And that's honestly one of the best ways to go. However, you want to make sure that your vibe and their vibe is the same. You also want to make sure that what you do is something that they love to do. Because I, I specialize in hair color, but if they like cutting, they are, I'm not the person for them at all. So you want to make sure you find that, that happy medium where they're going to be happy with you, you're going to bring something to their life, but they're also going to bring something to your life. Usually out of school is going to be the easiest, I feel, because I can train them exactly the way that I work. When it's been a little bit longer, it's harder because they're already used to working a certain way. That is going to be different from mine, so we're going to have a bigger challenge with that. What about you, Neil? You go it alone, or do you have help? I definitely have, have had help. Um, it is definitely hard to find help, too. Like, I mean, that's going to like give you what you, exactly what you need. So it's very important to have a structured um, sort of way that you're going to train this person. So I would say the first step in that is identifying what you really need. So um, me, I like to hire a left brain because <laughs> I'm all right brain. So I'm just the creativity and you know the organization stuff. I'm like, I need someone for that. So that's where I went first. So, um, but I think this identifying what you need first and then you know, setting yourself you know, a, maybe some sort of strategy that you can use to train the person. What about you, Dossie? I know you have an assistant now, but did you have one when you first moved into the studio? I did because I'm old and I can't do all this by myself. Please. <laughs> I was like, I'm tired. I get so Southern when I get tired. Um, Where do you find your assistance? Um, I like pretty much do like a prayer dance to like the assistant gods and cross my fingers and toes. I, I go high and wide. I mean, I, I honestly like I'll use um, like work pop. Craigslist, but that's, and, um, you know, friend finder, adult friend finder, uh, uh, Instagram, like I'll, I've had good luck just from doing posts on Instagram that I'm looking for someone and um, kind of all over the place referral. Somebody's like, oh, I know that you're looking for an assistant, but I agree with Neil, like I'm definitely more of a right brain creative and I need somebody who's got some of that like Virgo, you know, organize some shit in my life. You know, Have you tried uh, Tinder? 
Huh? Have you tried Tinder? Yes, Tinder for assistance. Make it. Done. <laughs> um, but yeah, the rest of it, I kind of do myself. Like, I really say that being an independent uh, hairstylist, it's like having two jobs. One of my jobs is being in the salon doing hair, and my other job is everything else. Like, I will tell people, oh, I'm working from home today, because they'll be like, oh, you got the day off? And I'm like, what's the day off, girl? <laughs> um, I spend a lot of time, I, I dedicate probably about an hour, like every morning, just to Instagram posts, like editing photos and making content and you know stuff like that, because that is like super crucial to really any beauty industry. Uh, position right now is to like keep that like Instagram flowing and all of that I do myself. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Philip? Yes. Um, <clears throat> again, so it comes down to different parts of the career, right? So for me, right now, uh, okay, let me backtrack a little bit. I am one of those that is able to be artistic and also have a business side. It's just I've always been that way. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, so therefore, I just did a lot myself, you know? I said, I'm gonna handle this, this, everything, all by myself. But then it does get to a point, you just physically cannot do it. And then it comes down to, okay, well, who can handle that similarly, right? Uh, and that's the hard part, I think, for me, is finding someone like that. Uh, luckily, I have, and um, now uh, Mr. Alfredo Lewis and I both have a manager now, which has helped big time. And she's right there, Miss Danny Tiger. <laughs> yes. And uh, because of the fact that, you know, uh, again, just all the little things that build up. Um, but let's just say I have a day at the shop. Um, I don't have a full-time assistant, and, I, and I'll tell you why. Traditionally, that would be amazing, and I would love that. And I would love to mentor someone. I grew up in the industry through apprenticeship. I didn't go to beauty school. So I would like to do that for someone else in due time, because in my situation now, I'm not around enough in one spot to give the right time for someone. So that's the reason why I don't really have a, a set assistant, per se. So sometimes I go in the salon and I do it, I shampoo, I do everything myself. I sweep it up, sweep the hair, I don't care. You know, I just do it. Because honestly, for me, a day at the shop is my break. Because I do spend a lot of time on the road and stuff, and that does, you know, it can wear you down, it's a lot, you know? Again, it's fun, it's energetic, you get to, the connections are amazing. But as far as a physical standpoint, uh, yes, so that, um, to me, it's kind of like a break. It's the people you're familiar with, you're talking again, you're having a good time, you know what I mean? And that's what I love about having my suite, because it's private and I'm just doing my thing. So, but I would say that definitely helps, uh, you know, emails and such, having a, a manager like that helps, so. Any other questions? Finding new clients. Hello, hello. Can you Hi. Hi. Pass sorry. it back she for me. Does. I'm All right, you're helping. I was like, you can go first. Okay, so I have a question. Um, so I know that you all are indie right now. What happened before indie, <laughs> being indie? Like, how did that transition happen? And then, are you finding that it's easier to build? I'm assuming some of you started in salons. Is it easier to build now that you're indie? Like, where's the disconnect? And kind of interested in that process. How did that happen? That story, you know. What inspired you to do that? I'll, I'll start this one off. Yeah. Um, so, I like I said, I, I've been doing hair for 20 years, and up until five years ago, that was always in a salon. And 
Um, I just wanted to have my own space to have it be more about my relationship with the clients and have more control. So I find that it's actually easier to build in my own space. You know, there's this misconception, maybe there is some salons that aren't total liars, but I think that most salons, you start off at them as like a brand new stylist and they're like, oh, we're gonna give you all these walk-ins and like, you're gonna, we're totally gonna build you and you're just like sitting around like, huh, what? <laughs> and um, so it's like, they're not really doing the work for you anyways and they're taking half your money. Uh, probably more than that these days. But so you can do your own work and get all of your own clients. And then the other thing is, I noticed how many new referrals and new requests I got the first year that I was working in my own studio. I got so many new requests and new referrals and everything, and I was like, this is blowing my mind. I was like, there's no way that this just all of a sudden happened when I got my own studio. I'm like, this has probably been happening for years, except for when they call the front desk and say, oh, can I book an appointment with Dossie? And if I didn't have something open that second, they're like, oh, she's not available, but we can put you with so-and-so who has time right now. <laughs> you know, So I think that it was just a little too coincidental that as soon as I was in control of making my appointments, all of a sudden I had like 20 new referrals a month instead of like zero. So um, I think that it's actually a lot easier to build your business as an independent stylist because you're in total control over it. Edith, what do you think? So I agree. Um, definitely, it's much easier to build. You have total control of how you want to advertise, where you want to advertise, if you are able to take clients that week, that month, whenever that is. Um, I also feel that in that aspect, you really want to know what clients you want to attract because you will get referrals. And I usually, when I ask for referrals, I give them an incentive. I say, hey, I'll give you 20% off if you send a friend and I will also give them 20% off. I ask for these referrals very specifically. I want a guest, I think I think Dossie mentioned, mentioned earlier, like I want somebody that's maybe at the bank and everybody sees her all day. I also want somebody that is able to come in every four weeks that maybe has some gray and I can see them every four weeks and they're making appointments for every four weeks, they're purchasing retail from me. So I'm very specific of who I'm trying to attract but definitely that's one of the ways that has worked for me and I feel like being independent lets me choose opposed to they just send me whoever, like maybe they send me haircuts and you know that's not where my passion is. Have you ever paid Yelp? We're, you were talking about Yelp. Yes. Did you ever uh, take one of those calls and you're like, yeah, I'll do that? So, yeah, so we talked about this yesterday. So I tried to pay Yelp one month. I wanted to see what the difference was with no, no advertising and paying for advertising. So it didn't work. It was honestly the same thing. Um, I feel like I got more clients out of not even advertising with Yelp than when I did. And... Um, I did say like, oh yeah, no, I don't do that, so I'm sorry. Maybe if you want to come in the suites, you can find somebody you would have to walk around and see. Mm -hmm. Any other questions related? To, okay. I just wanted to touch on real quick, I wanted to finish up with her, her question about sure. transitioning from being in a salon and into like an independent stylist. I think that a lot of people when they're in that place, they think it's a lot harder to do than it really is. They think that it's gonna be really expensive, like there's no way I can pay for all this color, there's no way that I can book my own appointments, there's no way I can pay for rent. There's Like, none of that's true. Honestly, it's so much more cost effective to have your own space than to work for somebody and do booth rental or commission. 
All right. So assuming okay. you do a good job of, of yeah. having the clients come in. Exactly. Assuming you're not a jackass about it. <laughs> yeah. And you do the work. Yeah. Okay. So we got a question here. Then I'll go. Hey, I have a couple. So first. For independent stylists, how frequent, or just stylists in general, how frequent do you suggest to be posting on social media? And also, you know that inner artist that you're like, these aren't good enough. Should you just post it anyways or just wait? Um, and then also, booking systems that you think give us the best bang for our buck and also um, shooties. What was I going to ask? There is uh, a two-question limit. Okay, never mind. Bye. <laughs> Dang. If you think of it, you can ask at the end if we have time. Okay, so Instagram posting. Neil, you want to take that one? Sure. I think that uh, if you want to grow your social media, you should be posting every day. Um, I can give you a couple of tips that just from different classes that I've taken, um, just from different people that I've spoken to about algorithms. Um, there's a specific algorithm that Instagram uses that you're, you really kind of have to follow or else you're going to be put at the bottom of the barrel. So you want to be posting every day. And you want to find the best time to post for you. So you maybe try a different, few different times during the week. And then at the end of that month, then you can look back at your uh, insights and you can find which time was the best time for you to post. Um, there, you should be doing stories every day. Um, I've heard 10 stories a day. Um, I've also heard that you should do... <laughs> You just scared the shit out of everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's. I mean, it is definitely. If you want to grow, you can. Usually, you can grow really quickly on Instagram still, but you have to do a, a few certain things, and it's not like a part-time job. It's like full-time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so you should be doing one live a week. Um, you should be uh, engaging, like talking back to and commenting on people that are commenting on your work. You want to respond to those, and then you also want to comment on other people's work. So um, Instagram takes all that into, uh, into account. For the people here who have never done a live and they're petrified at the idea of doing a live, what, what uh, topic would you suggest that they talk about? Let, let's assume that most of their followers are clients. Okay, What could they talk about on um, a live? I think a good one to do if you're not familiar with doing it and you have you know, most of clientele, uh, maybe show, somebody, show how to blow dry your hair or curl your hair. Yeah. Something simple. Everybody I, I always tells simple. me that, that you don't have time to teach your clients in the chair, in the salon, how to style their hair, their hair at home. Maybe that's a really, really good thing to do on live. Yeah. So I think that, that, that would be a great time to utilize that. And um, I think your clients would really appreciate it. All right. The second question was booking. Uh, Dossie, do you use booking? Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you use? I mean, I don't know if there's like some non-competes or something going on Zero here. Zero non-competes. I don't want to be like stepping on any toes. No, nobody pays uh, for anything This is here. purely just my own, you know, preference. But if they want to sponsor me, cool. Um, <laughs> I use Vigaro. It's super easy. And um, I've had like, it's just like, it's pretty idiot proof, which is my brand. Uh, I'm, I'm not very techy, so I need something that's like really simple. And it works great. You just, all you really have to do uh, is put in the, the appointment and then it sends out like confirmations and everything like that. So pretty much I've determined that someone's just like a liar if they say that uh, they forgot about their appointment. I'm like, nah, you did it. Because you got an email, you got like five text messages, like they came and knocked on your door and they're like, girl, you got an appointment tomorrow. So if someone says that they didn't get, uh, you know, they didn't know about their appointment, they weren't telling the truth. But yeah, Vigaro's worked 
has worked really well for me. I don't know what, what everyone else uses. Edith, do you use one? I use Square App. I, they pay me with Square. All the information's already on there. It saves my clients information. So it's pretty easy because all you have to do is just put in your services and your starting range of pricing. Um, what's really cool is that it'll send the same thing, confirmation text or email, and they can cancel the appointment and they can try to rebook it, but you have to confirm that you could see them when they're asking for you to see them. So I like how that works for me. And, and is that free because you use the merchant processing? Yeah. And I'm told, little insider baseball here, that um, SquareUp is going to start allowing you to double book and have some other flexibility that I guess it doesn't allow you to do now. Yes. They're, they're working on that. It should be coming. I got an email about that. It should be coming. They didn't say a time frame because I, that was one of the things that I frequently asked questions, didn't answer. So I know it's coming. Another thing that I like too is that I keep my inventory on there. So I retail and I was able, that's why I hired my sister to do this. She's the one that put everything in the system. So when I check them out, whether they pay with Square or not, I can put on there what I'm pulling out of my shelf so I can just at the end of the day or week replace it. I should also say that Square's um, pricing just went up, didn't it? Uh, we get a special price in my suites. We got a discounted price. They partnered. Got it. All right. Uh, topic number two, which is uh, delivering the experience once the client comes into the salon. And this is really the big one. So, uh, Neil, you want to start? What, what do you do to uh, deliver the experience? I think that the biggest word that you should take home today is consistency. Um, remaining consistent, giving them from the beginning to end, um, and not just the end, but you want to continue to follow that out even when they walk out the door. Um, so it's very important that you, you build a relationship with your clients. Uh, we were talking yesterday about building friendships with clients. Uh, and that's a huge for me. Uh, a lot of, any of my clients will tell you that they're my friend. But then that also means that I still have a business relationship with these people, though. So they're not like you know, getting homeboy hookups all the time because I still need to run a business. So I still remain that, that business relationship. But um, I keep it really consistent. I try not to um, make sure I'm walking in you know, and unlocking the door as they're like, waiting for me. You know, I like, try to get there 30 minutes early. Um, at least you know, get there a little bit earlier than them. So you can set up, and you can accept them, and you can you know, welcome them and have something ready for them. Make them feel special. That's a very big, important you know, factor, because these people remember this. and you know. If you're getting Christmas cards and things like that, then you're doing something right. All right, Dossie, tell us about the Dossie experience. Ooh, we're going to need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, a lot of what Neil said is, is how I feel, too. Like, I think that uh, consistency across the board, like being consistent in the service that you're providing, being consistent in your location, like all of that stuff. Um, I also think that... I'm really old school when it comes to, like, part of why I like having my own studio is making, you know, it, it be about the client. It's that one-on-one -on -one intimate experience, and they come in, and it's just about them. And it, you have to learn how to read your client, and it's like, is it somebody who's chatty? Is it someone who's just happy to sit there and decompress and doesn't want to talk? But most of the time, it's just sort of like, it's not about you. 
you know, it's like you got to leave your baggage, your drama. If you're having a bad day, like whatever it is, like your job is just to listen and provide that like luxury experience for your clients. And so I just listen to them. And if they want to hear about like whatever crazy shit's going on in my life, I'm like, sure, I'll bite. I'll tell you. But it's like, I'm not just like, oh, I've had the worst day and this and that. And this is blah, blah, blah. like, I like totally don't bring up anything about myself unless they ask for it. And yeah, and I like to just do little nice touches like snacks and wine and, you know, any little extras that I can do. And you really are developing this lifelong relationship with someone like most of my clients I've had for over 10 years. It's like you're creating a bond, a friendship, a trust that is going to go into, I think, probably one of our topics later. But it's like, yeah, pretty much I think that that's what, you know, as far as like client services. So when it comes to catering to a specific client, you've had these clients for, for 10 years, but you didn't remember their kids' names in the beginning, right? You didn't remember I that they- I still don't remember their they, kids' names. <laughs> so, I mean, do you write things down? Um, I fake it till I make it. No, I mean, I'm just like, oh, how's your little one? Like, oh, how is that little bugger? Um, you know, it's like, names are, so not important, you know, it's like, that's so last year, like non-binary or something. But um, no, I think that it's more just about like trust and comfort and them knowing that, you know, you're not gonna do them dirty, like that they can relax and be comfortable around you and that like whatever they need, they can just relax. And I think that that's kind of the vibe. And I feel like my clients get that right away, even like brand new people, I can't tell you how many people come in and have like a consultation and they're just like, oh, it's the best vibes in here. You know, it's like people pick up on all of that stuff yeah. and they get that it's kind of like a family energy. Are you able to deliver that energy even when you're, you're in a shitty mood? Yeah. Something bad happens? I think that my work is my savior for my shitty mood. Like there's many times that like I wake up and I am like, uh, I do not want a life or adult today. And I, you know, put on my big girl shoes and go in. And, you know, it's every single time, it's like within like five minutes of talking to my client, whatever was going on with me is gone because now I'm like immersed in like their experience. It's awesome. Philip. Yes, yeah, so <clears throat> I know, I think we don't have enough time to talk about all of it, you know what I mean? Um, but I, the foot, yeah. But I want, I, you know, I'll bring up a few things. I think that help. I think, uh, you know, I was talking about this yesterday too. A lot of the time, uh, I think uh, stylists today are so obsessed on the the techniques and the and the technical aspect of of hairdressing, you know. But when it comes to success from behind the chair, that's a very very small percentage of your success. Believe it or not, the rest of it is the experience and the relationship. This is a relationship business, and. It's the little things that make them feel, uh, you know, there's personable things happening here, you know? Something simple as when they're done with the appointment, a week later, they get a little handwritten thing in the mail just thanking them for coming into the salon. Something like that, these little things are huge, you know? Uh, or when you do greet them back, you know, either, I don't know what kind of file system you have, but uh, this is the guy I apprenticed under, he was king at this, you know, because he would have a printout and everything. And he would go in the back and he would just, uh, he'd have, uh, you know, his assistant write down the full list of his clients for the day, first and last name. So when he came out, he'd be like, 
Mike Smith, what's up, buddy? You know, and they and they'd be and oh, how did he even remember that? But of course he didn't remember that, you know. But they set it up that way, you know what I mean? So it's just you know little things like that. Um, but I think also, yes, keep about the hair, and then allow them to talk about whatever the heck they want to talk about. You know, do they want to drink? It's those little things, you know. I mean, I had this analogy yesterday about restaurants. You know, you could have to go out to two different restaurants, same distance from your house. One is the best meal you've had in your entire life. But it was a little bit too snooty and uncomfortable of an ambiance there for you, right? And then there was one, the food was, it was all right. But, you know, they remembered your name when you walked in. The host is remembered. The, uh, you know, the waiter comes by. Ooh, I know what dessert you want. Already put the iced tea the way you liked it. Boom. What are you going to have this evening? It's just that experience. You know what I mean? So nine times out of 10, you're going back to that place, even if the food wasn't the best. Do you see what I'm saying? So again, comes down to the technical part. Um, better meal, not that good experience, or okay, or well. But if you do both, that's even better, of course. You know what I mean? We all strive to be better technically, of course. That's, that's the growth in our artistic part. But at the same time, there's two different parts here. You know, there's the artistic side and the business side, you know, so... I don't want to take up too much time, awesome. but those are little things. Yeah. Thank you. Edith. Okay, cool. So I teach a class by Sweet Emotion. So it's very specific to the client experience. And we've had these at Salon Republic, and we got really cool reviews because we are putting ourselves aside, and we're just there for them. So as easy as, like Philip said, greeting them with, hello, Mary. How are you today? Come in. Can I offer you something to drink? The minute you do that immediately, they feel taken care of. So there's a lot of weight coming off their shoulders because now they're able to relax the minute that they step in. Another thing is also shampoo. Guys, we really have to like take a few minutes to shampoo. In, um, in something that we have in Sweet Emotion, they surveyed, style, um, they, surveyed, they surveyed clients, not stylists, and they said 87% love the shampoo. It's their favorite part. If they don't get a great shampoo, 70% will not come back. 70%, that's huge for us. So what is suggested on there is that we massage for a minute and a half. If they get a treatment, we go for three minutes. F fingernails are better. That's like a plus. <laughs> like, like rub it in there. Yeah. So it's awesome knowing this because now we know what they're expecting from us and we know what we need to give them. One thing that I like to do also is I change the music depending on the mood that I see and I feel my client. I've had clients that are like overwhelmed, very anxious. So if I have loud music, I might want to mellow it out with something that's going to help them relax. If I have rock music or anything that's too heavy, it's, they're just going to be very anxious. So I need them to feel comfortable. I need them to calm down. So that's one of the things that I like to do. And it's one of the things that we do recommend. If you guys get a salon, uh, if you guys are at Salon Republic and have the opportunity to go to that class, I highly recommend it. You will get so much information on how we make this client experience good all across the board. And definitely following up with them. A good way to validate them is by posting them on Instagram, um, texting them, hey, how did these products work for you? Do you need any help? Do you remember how to use them? Do you know when the treatments go on? So all of that helps with the client experience even afterwards. Uh, since you've got the mic in your hand, do you want to speak to retailing? 
retailing product from your studio? Yes, so I'm huge on retail. If you go in my suite, people say I have like a little salon centric in there. So the reason being is that's what gives me that extra income and I love doing that. So I'm gonna go straight honest. A lot of us are not happy with Ulta because they carry a lot of the products that we carry, yes? So I have one down the street, I'm not happy about it, but I had to find a way that I was gonna set myself apart from them. So I started offering discounts as well. So I created a, a virtual card where I punch their card for any of their purchases. You will make that number whatever you want. Whether what, it's, what do you mean a virtual card? Where is that card? So it's on their phone. Okay. So it's on their phone. There's an app by the name of Flock that will do it. They're uh, changing. Uh, what? Flock. F-L-O-K. Okay. But they're changing. So their name is changing. As soon as I know what they're going into, I can post it. And my Instagram is Edith Navarro Artist. I will post it on there. It works really, really well because they purchase from me, I stamp it. For every $20 that they spend, that card gets stamped. When they're done with the card, they get $25 off a retail product. That's one of the ways that I go about it. And the way that I came up with the numbers is that I went into Ulta, I saw how many points they get per purchase, and I made it even better. So I think about a lot of this stuff for a while before I put it into practice. That has gotten me a lot of my clients back and they purchase from me. Another thing that I do for the holidays, I give all my clients Christmas, um, Christmas cards and a gift bag, everybody that comes in. So I give them sample sizes for the ones that don't come in as often. I do full retail sizes for the ones that come in often. I get all this stuff when it's on sale. Salon Centric has like the little market back there. I've got all these little things for a dollar. So it's like, you can make that happen, you start it out. But now when they come back, they're like, remember that little shampoo that you gave me? Can I get one of those? And they take it home. So it's a win-win for me. So I, like that has worked for me and I've been doing that for maybe the last 10 years. That's great. Any questions? Did any of you guys, before you became suite owners, consider owning a salon? And uh, if Dossie, so, I know how you, did you make your choice? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, um, if so. Yeah, if so, like, what influenced you to make the choice that you did? Dossie, I know you've, I've heard you talk yeah. about that. Go ahead and grab that mic. Oh. Yeah, I definitely thought about it. Um, I mean, really, it was just I didn't want as much responsibility. <laughs> like, when it comes down to it, uh, I didn't want to, you know, I, I went to what was the main reason why I wanted to have a salon, and it was really just so that I can have my own space and have my relationship with my clients and, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I, I just chose for myself, it worked out better to have a suite than to have a whole business. I didn't want to have to worry about like having a standalone unit and worry about plumbing issues and you know this and that and all the different dynamics of like 10 different personalities in one spot and keeping this person happy and that person happy. I think it's just, it's a personal choice. Like for me, it just sort of like kept it simple and more about the like, you know, stylist client relationship to have a suite versus having my own salon. Anybody else think about that? I think for me, it was a little bit of the opposite to where um, I went in for a suite. I never wanted a salon. Like, I just was not into that. And then whenever I started training assistants and like kind of building like a little army, like I was like really into that. So that side of it was really appealing to me. So then I I was much more open to the fact of like, maybe I will have my own salon soon. And then I moved to LA. <laughs> <laughs> and that is like way on the back burner. Philip? 
Um, <clears throat> that's a great question because uh, I have done it. I've owned a salon before. So I owned one before. And actually, it's funny because it's, it's just where my, it's kind of like what happened in my career dictated how I was going to be that way, right? So um, I honestly, since I started, I never wanted to own a salon. I just, I don't know. I, it just seemed to me, I never met a super happy <laughs> salon owner, right? Like, unless they're in the middle of, you know, nowhere. The, you know what I mean? They're always, uh, you know. So I was like, I don't know about that, you know. Um, and shout out to all the ones who are. I'm not downing that at all. I'm just saying, you know. So I just thought, oh, I don't know about this, you know. So, um, but I was in a position at one time where, you know, I was ready to leave. And it was uh, brought up to me to partner with them. And I just said, okay, fine, you know. And we had one, a little salon in Beverly Hills for about seven years. Then we also decided, hey, maybe it's, we had our time, it was amazing, um, but we're going separate ways, and it ended amazing, actually. Uh, but that's when I thought, okay, now it's time, and then that's when I called Eric. <laughs> yeah, so. Edith. Yeah, so I definitely did, and what I went for was the suite because I had more control over opening and closing my doors. So same thing, we travel a lot for the most part, so not having to look after 10 people when you're not there, not getting a call at midnight because there's no electricity or whatever can happen really led me to go into a suite business. It's just easier. And you can expand within your suite and bring assistance in. Like I was speaking to my suite owners and said, hey, can we knock down a wall? Because I need to bring in an assistant and I want more space. So you're able to grow that way bring in assistance or even start up another stylist that can support you when you're not there. But I didn't want to have to pay for the extra bills. Yeah. Do you have a question? Um, yes. <laughs> you had your hand up. I did have my hand up. And you but forgot your been question. So much great information since then. I remember. Um, You're writing Edith, a book there. I am you? writing a book. Um, Edith, I wanted to. Confirm. You know, this is all recorded. It's going to be on the podcast. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Edith, I wanted to revisit. You were talking about a. a Either a class or a course, 3D motion, is that what you said? Sweet. Sweet. Sweet emotion. Emotion. Okay, yeah. thank you very much. You're welcome. That was it. Where'd that was it. <laughs> yeah. So if you're just starting out, I know you all have been in the industry for a while, what is your advice in terms of content creation? Um, I'm still building a following and a client base, and I have clients maybe two to three times a week, but how am I supposed to post every day if that's all I have? Any like suggestions on what to post and I guess just what to post and how to create content? For sure. Um, you, you can color your dog, your cat, or, you know, just kidding. Um, but yeah, there's so many options out there. Like there's, there's wigs, there's mannequins. Those things are fun to take advantage of. But like, I mean, anytime you see somebody, if you, if you are the, friendly enough, you know, you can walk up to somebody and ask them to do their hair for free. And I did that. I did that a lot. I, I probably did it to where I was doing models most of the week, and then I wasn't doing them anymore because everybody was paying because they had no idea that, that I was doing all of that work on my Instagram for free. So it turned into it, it's and anything you have to make an investment into your future. So that's just consider that your your investment. So. That's 
I think what Neil just said was awesome because I feel like I did a, a lot of that as well when I was first starting out, like pre, pre-Instagram and the Ice Age. Um, but now, like my little tip for that would be milk your content. So if you only have like two or three, you know, clients or whatever it is a week, take videos, take photos, like. You know, you can, you can get so many, you know, you can get three or four posts off of one person. So I've, and I've definitely done that before when I've had like slower weeks of things of cool stuff that I want to post where I just like made four or five different posts off of one, one person. Yeah, actually, I think you, uh, where would you go? Anyway, I th- oh, there you are. I think you're in an amazing position right now, believe it or not, because you have, you say a couple days a week you have your clients and that leaves a couple more days to do whatever you want to do. So you can grab people off the street, do it free, make some posts about that, looking for models for this type of thing. You'll get a few, bring them in on specifically on those days. My problem in the beginning was I didn't have time to do models. And believe it or not, um, almost none of the people I post are my actual clients. They are just separate, do you know what I mean? Or their agency models, or whatever the case may be, right? So, and 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 it's different because now a lot of the times I'm on the road, so I'm trying to figure out how to do content on the road. Which just it's just so crazy. But that's another podcast. Um, yeah. Um, but there's that one thing, and then also I would agree, milk that content. You know what I do a lot with um, Alfredo is what we'll do is we'll do one model, we'll do we'll cut um, an Instagram uh, video, we'll cut an IGTV version. We'll do that one bam picture, and then we'll also do a four square. So now you got four posts out of one person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's another thing. Um, Another thing I want to mention is reposting the winners, right? It's okay to repost your winning posts. Mm -hmm. Only about 10% of your followers see each post. So um, I mean, how often do you think it's okay to repost your winning shots? I would say when I, in the beginning, when I mean, there was no shame in my game. Like I was just like making people like me. So I was out there like doing like the probably the worst little blow dry, and I was just posting it, posting it, posting it. But like <laughs> eventually they 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 got good, you know. Like, um, but but I'm just like when you when you have a really good post and it does well, every time, most of the time when you repost that, it's gonna do well again. For some reason, there's just some sort of formula that made it do well. So I would say maybe every few months, um, if, if you have enough content, you know, cycle it back around. You want to bring every, say, like two months, three months, bring all of your good stuff to the top again. Yeah. So, you know. Rita, you, I, Rita and I know each other. You have so many good pictures, even from hair school. And that's why I remember Rita, because of how good you were, both with your hair and your photography. Repost that shit. Back in the day when I first started, it, like all you had to do was create a good little picture and then post it. Now it's you got to do, you got to be on there, you got to be present. You have to post yourself, and I'm not very good at that, so I'm just getting, you know, familiar with it too. So, but it is good to post yourself too. Okay, we're five minutes over our time, so if, in case anybody needs to leave, um, but I, I'm willing to hang out for another five minutes. If anybody has any more questions, panelists, you're free to go if you've got something else to do, or you can stay if you'd like. Hi, Darcy. Hello. <laughs> Actually, this question is for Eric. Uh-oh. I just wanted to say hi to you. <laughs> I, I just asked the question. I don't answer. Hello. Um, so, for a stylist who's interested in 
going into your suite. How much time should one invest, time and money should one invest in? Time, what do you mean by time? Time bef between what and what? A, to build a suite. So, so to have, oh, to build it physically or to build a clientele within it? To build it physically. Well, oh, not, geez. I mean, it, to like buy the, the equipment, you the design, can, and money-wise. You can do it over a weekend by going to Ikea, or you can do custom top to bottom. People have done it all different ways. People have spent probably 20 grand or more in, in a studio, and people have spent 1,000 or less. It just depends. You know, you get a certain amount of stuff that we give you. And then you know you can do it as bare bones from there, or as nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it. Just get it going. Yeah. You know, I like you can always rebrand and redecorate. Just like I, you know, I think a lot of people they start like on the more like bare bones side just to like get it going, and then as they have, you know, extra income, they like change out maybe some of the shelves or put wallpaper in, for instance, you yeah. know, like stuff <laughs> I mean, like that. Dossie has chandeliers and things <laughs> yeah. all over her wall. Like, when, Welcome to my salon. <laughs> when, when Philip moved from Hollywood to Beverly Hills, you had nothing. I had For nothing. like a month, yeah, right? Or, no, I had more. nothing. And let me just tell you, you'll find out your clients don't care yeah. what is it. They'll go in a shack, you know. If they love the way you do your hair. They don't care where they go. And that's actually awesome because every time they come back, you've Im improved something. So they're kind of excited to see that, you know? <laughs> if you blow it all at once, and they're like, oh, nice, and then it's the same, you know? So, you know, so do that, you know? Don't worry about it. Just get a, a mirror and a chair. Uh, they already give you the chair and the shampoo bowl. You're good to go, you know? Great. You know, clients love watching you grow, so it's actually, like, more fun for them to, like, see that, like, evolution from when you first went there to, like, you know, after a few, like, you know, whatever amount of time. But I think, like, just in general, it's like we have to get out of our own way. Like, our brains overcomplicate things so much and think it's so much harder than it is, and it's, like, with everything. So it's just, like, just do it, you know? Like, I think there's some other brand that has that thing. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Good question. One more question. How do you inform your clientele um, that you're raising your prices? That's an amazing one. I have my manager do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, here's a few ways, actually. So, I mean, that is what I do now. But, um, um, and I'm actually doing it. Anyway, so um, also what you can do is when I was at a salon, salon like a, a salon, I would actually have a sign at the station and it would say, hey, so for example, I'd start it like maybe end of October or so, and, and it'll say, you know, starting effective January 1st, blah, 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 the prices will be increasing. Please advise at the front desk or whatever it is, something like that. And then that way they would find out or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. But now it's, it's a different way. But that's one couple ways to do it. Or just tell them. Yeah. Uh, let's have I mean, Edith weigh in on it. Yeah, yeah. is talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I do is, especially if I have some clients that I feel like are friends, I let them know that we have a starting price per my suites. So everybody in my suite has the starting price, and we all have to start there. So if the suites raise their prices, so do I. Okay, I'm right? Sure. So it makes me Sorry. not feel like the bad guy, like, oh, you know, I need a raise, so, so I'm going to raise my prices. So when I do that, it makes it, it takes the weight off of my shoulders, 
And then I don't feel like I'm trying to make them feel like, well, I need you to pay me more to come and see me. Does that make sense? So what I do is I tack on $5 per color, another five for haircut. So I don't go by percentages, I just go by the salons around me. So I call and I check with different salons, I go on their websites, I see where they're at, and I know where I need to be. If I'm too high or if I'm too low, I know my price point might be a little bit higher, but I'm in a suite. Salons are in a salon, so price points are gonna be slightly different. So that's the way that I go about it, and it, I raise my fees every year. Awesome. So we're getting kicked out, everybody. Let's give a big round of applause to our panelists. Hey guys, hope you liked that panel. It was a supercharged audience. We had about 90 people in the room and a lot of great feedback from them. So I hope that you kind of felt like you were a part of, of the panel as if you were there in the seat. That's always our goal. And um, if so, if you liked it, please screenshot the episode and share it on your Instagram stories because word of mouth is so important to us. Next week's Podloot will be a one-year subscription, a premium subscription to Later. Uh, that is Later.com, which is a scheduling platform for Instagram and Facebook, the one that we use here at Salon Republic. A one-year sub premium subscription to Later. It's worth about 200 bucks. For a chance to win, write a review on the Apple Podcast app or Stitcher.com for Droid users. The review has to include your Instagram handle. That's how I know who you are. And I write your name down and I put it in my bag that I choose from every single week. Make sure you're following the Hair Game Podcast and Love Eric Taylor, that's me, on Instagram. And each week I pull a name and I announce the winner at the beginning of every episode, just like I did at the beginning of this episode and I'm going to do at the beginning of next week's episode. You have to be listening to win so you can DM me with your mailing address so I can send you whatever it is you want. If you don't win, keep listening because your name stays in my bag in my office. You can win literally any week on any episode. I don't throw out the names, okay? So they stay in there. For complete details, go to salonrepublic.com. Also, guys, the reviews are huge, okay? One, they let me know that you're listening. Two, they let me know what you think about the podcast, okay? And three, they help other people, find other hairstylists, find the podcast. And the better we get as an industry, as a group, the better it is for everybody, okay? The more that clients out there in the economy like the beauty services that are being offered and the more they get into it and the more they show up at the salon, the more that happens, the better it is for all of us. Next week's episode will be all about TikTok, the new social media app. Until then, have a great week. <laughs>